All right, happy Mother's Day. I hope you moms are doing well. We love you. We're glad you're here. Uh, I know that uh, Mother's Day can be a difficult day for some. Uh, Some it's a reminder of a mom they lost or a grandmother they lost or uh, something they have not yet become and desire to. So I just want to start off by saying we love moms. We love Mother's Day. We love those women who, are, who want to be moms. We love uh, single moms, teen moms, moms who are going through a hard time. We, I hope today would be a real encouragement to you um, and a blessing to you. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, in the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment to be exact, to honor your father and mother. And so we're going to honor mothers today. Uh, Father's Day will honor fathers. I get it. And I'm looking out in the room and it looks like maybe 60% of the room is dudes. And so I get it. You're like, man, this I should have gone to the other sermon. No, here's the big idea. Motherhood is not about moms. It's about Jesus. So that's the message. That's where we're going. That's where we'll get to. And so if you feel uh, like you want to, you know, tune out because you're, you're not a mom or uh, uh, don't. Um, husbands, this is a great cause, hopefully, today for you to rejoice um, in, in what God is doing in and through your wife uh, and, and through the mother of your children. Additionally, this is a, a, a training day for you to lead, help her. Uh, God, I'm going to speak to moms. I'm going to speak to mothers. I'm going to speak in those terms. But um, you can translate it if you need to and uh, apply it to your own heart, mind, and life. But Because uh, the big idea is not really about moms. It's about what motherhood points to, and that, that's Jesus, again. And so if you're single, uh, this is a single guy or a single girl, this is training for you. This is training for you to do the, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. God says that's the first commandment with a promise. Like, do you want a promise? Do you want blessing from God? Like, this is the first one. And so we might find today that uh, there needs to be some repentance. There needs to be some conversations. There needs to be uh, with your mom or with, with, with the Lord God on how you viewed uh, your mom or motherhood or, or, or anything in that regard. So I'm just kind of giving a, a blanket subject uh, kind of recap, not recap, but uh, forecast of where we're going so that, that you see that there's a purpose for why you're here. God has you here on purpose. No one came in here by accident. Some of you came here because someone invited you. Some of you came here because you were, this is just what you do every week. Some of you just are kind of now trying to figure out why you're here. Uh, God has a reason for you here. And so what we've been doing, we've been journeying through the book of, of 1 Timothy. Today we're going to take a slight detour and we're going to jump into the book of 2 Timothy. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, it's our gift to you. Keep it, read it. We'll be in 2 Timothy. So we don't have a study guide yet for this. Our 2 Timothy study guide will be, will be coming out uh, when we get there. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. The reason being is because today we're going to look at uh, the relationship between Timothy and his mom and grandmother. Paul found it necessary to speak to those two, uh, two, two women in his life because they had a profound impact on his faith. And so uh, if Paul took time to talk to Timothy, encourage him uh, regarding his, his uh, grandmother and his mother, uh, we're going to do that today as well. Additionally, we saw, we've been talking about Paul's relationship with, with Timothy, the author of the book of, of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is the guy named uh, Paul. He's, the, he's an apostle, he's a, he's a church leader, church planter, and he's been writing to his protege, uh, Timothy. This, what's different about 2 Timothy and what's then in 1 Timothy is Paul is, uh, in 1 Timothy, he's, at, he's on house arrest. So he's at his house, he can do, take Zoom calls, he can do all that stuff. Uh, but, but 2 Timothy, he's in prison, no, no Zoom calls. Uh, so no, no real face-to-face contact with Timothy, no way to uh, write out. He, so he's writing a letter from prison. And, he, and so he says this. And so here's the first, the first I'm going to give you two big ideas from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 
Then we give some application uh, and some other scriptures to support it. So the, the, the first big idea found in, in 2 Timothy 1.5 is this. Motherhood begins with God's love for you. So moms, be encouraged. All right, here we go. 2 Timothy 1.5, it says this. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt uh, or for a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Uh, Paul is, again, writing to Timothy to encourage him. He wants to encourage him. And one of the ways he's, he's encouraging him here in this text is reminding him of the faith that dwelt in his mother and his grandmother. He's, he's a third-generation Christian. Some of you are first-generation Christians, some of you are second and third generation. You, your mom followed Jesus and loved Jesus. Your, 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 your grandmother did. Or maybe your father and your, your grandfather. But, you, but you're, you're, you're third generation like Timothy. Timothy, it is likely that his, his father was not a believer. He was not in the picture. So he, he, he perhaps uh, only had a believing mom and a believing grandmother. We don't know uh, anything about his life other than when Paul talks about Timothy, he just, or his parents. And in 1 Timothy, he says that his dad was a Greek. Uh, and now he says that his mother and grandmother are, are believers. So you would, it, it's safe to say that we should, uh, or we could assume that Paul would have emphasized uh, Timothy's father being a believer if he was, but he doesn't. He says, hey, your mom was a believer. Your, your, uh, your, your grandmother was a believer. And what's crazy is even to this day, 60% of Christians worldwide are female. Like, it's amazing that there's more guys in here than ladies, but that's the, that's the reality of the church globally. That's not just in America, globally. Since there's more Christian females than there are Christian men. And so Paul is uh, talking to Timothy, who's likely in a, in a very similar situation, where he, he's the only may, maybe guy, male believer in, in, in the family, in the faith, and he looks to his mom, he looks to his grandmother for faith. But, but what, is that, what does it mean when he says the real faith? This genuine faith or, or sincere faith to be exact. Real faith or sincere faith is, is, is saving faith. It's faith and trust in Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about he has legitimate faith in Jesus. He trusts Jesus. He's saved by Jesus. And his grandmother knows and loves Jesus. His mom knows and loves Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying your, your mom did, your grandmother did, and I'm sure, Timothy, this, this faith, this faith, this trust, this trust is rooted in Jesus, just like them. Like, it's sincere. And that's where motherhood begins. That's where it begins. So moms, if you didn't know this, God loves you. Women who are, are struggling with fertility, mom loves you. Mom, your mom loves you and Jesus loves you. God loves you. It's all true. But, but specifically here, my point is that, that God loves you. And you need to know this because if you don't, all of us in here, if we don't see that God loves us, we don't understand God loves us, then we'll be tempted to believe the lies of the enemy and culture. Paul actually uh, t tells his, his entire church often and frequently to, to that when he's praying for them, he prays that they would know the love of Christ. They would know his love. So far too often we talk about uh, uh, God is love, quote unquote, in our society. God is love. But do you know the radical love of Jesus? The transforming, powerful love of Jesus. That's where motherhood begins. That's where the life, the Christian life begins. For, for anyone in here, we got to start with Jesus and his love for us. We're going to start here. That's, our, that's my opening point. But we'll also end here as well. 
But I need to see that this is exactly where the Bible begins. We just spent uh, the past year or so uh, studying the book of Genesis. It begins with God's love overflowing in the creation of Adam and Eve. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, out of the overflow of their, their relationship, creates mankind in their likeness and image. It was out of the, the love of God that he created. God created out of love. He loves his creation. He loved Adam and Eve. He loves you. And, and so what happened is that, that not only did, did uh, um, God create Adam and Eve, but what happened right off the bat, Right off the bat, there was an overflow of love, and immediately, what does is, what is Adam name Eve? Or what is, why does he call her Eve? He says, because she's the mother of all living. She's the mother of all living. The mother of all living. She hadn't even had a child yet. So her name was Eve. Motherhood began in the garden when, when God created Eve and said, Hey, you're a woman. Adam named her Eve because she'd be the mother of all living. Motherhood began, even in the beginning, with the love of God. That's where it begins. And so I need you moms to, to know this. I need you to know this because what happened when, when, when Eve sinned against God, when Eve rebelled, when Eve ate the fruit, when, when Eve was tempted to believe the lie of the serpent Satan, when she, she thought that maybe God didn't have her best life for her. God, didn't, God wasn't looking after her best interest. That God was withholding. She started to distrust, what? The love of God. That's where it began. God creates her out of, uh, and, and, and makes her a mom. Before she's ever a mom, calls her mom, Eve, the mother of all living. That's where we start. God's love for her. He has deep, abiding love for her. But what is the, the serpent Satan lie? What is the lie he whispers? He says, nah. He can't love you. He's withholding from you. Don't you know that, that this tree that he said not to eat of, like, it has benefits. That's what sin often does. It, it always tells us there's a benefit to, to, to rebellion against God. I'll tell you this, there's no, that's a lie. There's never a benefit, long-term for sure, benefit to rebellion against God. But Eve looked at the, the tree. She saw it was as good for knowledge, and it was pleasing to the eye. It looked good. It felt good. It was awesome. Everyone would have been doing it. The serpent said so. And so what does she do? She distrusts what the love of God and eats. Motherhood begins with God's love for you. We cannot graduate from that ever. And so what ends up happening is, is because of sin, uh, Adam receives a curse. So does Eve. Her curse, the mother of all living, is that childbearing would hurt. Any moms... Uh, uh, all mothers out there who've, who've, who've birthed a child know that this is true. I have not felt it myself. I've witnessed it four times. I can perceive what uh, I thought was pain, and there's another level. And I've seen it. Like, it, there, there is, it is real. But here's the deal. Because of the curse, because of sin, oftentimes women and our culture and society believe that somehow motherhood is a curse, not a blessing. There's this lie that, that, that God is, is cursing me, that, that not only is labor hard, but, but sleepless nights are hard. Raising children is hard. And somehow that, that, that our society and culture have, have told us that, that that can't be good, that, that the pain of childbearing, the, uh, the, the, the hardship of motherhood, 
We, we've, we've, we've forecasted and, and labeled motherhood in many ways, maybe on purpose or, or because we've believed the lies of Satan accidentally, that somehow being a mother is like a second-class job. Tell you what, being a mother is the most expensive job that one could ever get paid for hourly if you were to. It is. I've done it. All the things my wife does as a mother, if you were to pay someone else to do that, I would need several more jobs. Seriously. Like, it, like, you, who, like motherhood jobs, like a, being a mom is like a $300,000 year you know, gig that they get paid nothing for. We're going to get into to more of what motherhood is here in a moment. But I want us to see it, that motherhood is, is somehow we think that we, so this is how we value labor in our world. We value someone's uh, uh, calling and job based off of the amount of money they're paid. That's not how God does it. Your worth and value are not, are not based off of what someone else uh, uh, prescribes to your effort and work. It, your worth and value are, are wrapped up in what? God's love for you. is unconditional uncontrollable, out-of-this-world, magnificent love for you. To, to believe that God views you, sees you, loves you, anything less than, than something that's incomprehensible is to miss and misunderstand God's love for you. Therefore, in his love, he, when, when, when the curse of sin comes to mankind, man, male and female, God's love is not absent but with. It's with you through your trial. It's with you through the hardships of life. It's with you uh, when the expectations of mothering are unmet. It's with you when the expectation of life is unmet. It's with you in the sleepless nights. It's with you uh, when the, the pressure of the culture is bearing heavily on you. It's with you when you're having an identity crisis about who you are and your degree that you have and what your mom and stepmom and everyone else's mom thinks that you should be doing with your life, God's love for you is present. He's near you. All of those circumstances, all the, the hardships of motherhood, should be, we should see them as an invitation to come back to Jesus, to receive his love, to know his love, be transformed by his love. Motherhood begins with God's love for you. Second thing from this passage I want us to see is that motherhood has generational impact. Whether you like it or not, this is true. Some of you are, are, are the product of, 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 of negative results of generational impact because of mother. Some of you are, are positive. Timothy is a result. It's a, it's a positive result. Because why? His grandmother and mother are, are, are Christians. They believe. So he says this, that, he's, that, that, that his, his grandmother and his mother have faith and now it, it, and now it dwells in you. Paul's saying this, is, this went from one generation to the next generation and it's now flowed down to you. This is, this is generational impact. Timothy's grandmother and mother were women of faith. If you have a mom who's a Christian, you should glory in that, rejoice in that. Like, yeah, but she wasn't a perfect Christian. That's awesome. You weren't either. Praise God for that. If you remember when we were studying Genesis, like Abraham and, and, and Sarah, they were the, they, they were, that, they were the start. That's where it started. 
Everyone's got to start somewhere. By the time we get to Joseph, we see generations of not just faithfulness, but God's, God's providence at work. And we see that, that Joseph is experiencing, uh, he's standing on the, on the shoulders of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and, and those who've gone before him. Your mother might have been a first-generation Christian, or your, your grandmother might have been a first-generation Christian. And they may not have the faith that you want to have now, but you're standing on their shoulders. Rejoice and praise God for that. Praise God for that. Even if it's little faith. Rejoice in that. And so I want us to see this, this motherhood is a ministry. Motherhood is a ministry. A 24-hour, seven days a week ministry. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of a, a great theologian and Bible teachers uh, in, in England, he was one of the first guy in the English-speaking world to have a, have a mega church back before the, way before the internet. Uh, he said this, he says, fathers and mothers are the, are the, this is in his autobiography, he says, the fathers and mothers are the most natural agents for God to use in the salvation of their children. I am sure of that. In my early youth, no teaching ever made such impression upon my mind as the instruction of my mother. Guess what his dad was? A pastor, a traveling evangelist. He's saying, where did he get the most instruction uh, on how to be a godly man, how to, be, how to, to know God, uh, who, who God is? He says, the most important, the, mo- the biggest impression on me was from my mother. He's not, he, he does not knock his father, but he's saying, hey, we devalue, we miss out on the value of mothers oftentimes. He says, neither can I conceive that any child there can, uh, there can be who will have such influence over any young heart as the mother who has so tenderly cared for her offspring. A man with a soul so dead as to not be moved by uh, the sacred name of mother is creation blot. Never could, I, never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. So Paul's telling Timothy. Not only did you have a godly mother, you had a godly grandmother. He's saying that he said this, so he continues in his, in his autobiography, autobiography to speak to, to the reality of his, his, his mother's prayers over him. His mother's pleading with him. His mother's uh, pointing him to Jesus. He said one time that his father felt uh, so guilty because he had to oftentimes ride on horseback from destination to destination and he was out preaching. And so oftentimes he may have been delayed to, to get back home to be with the kids. And, and one time he came back home and he saw, he came in, he couldn't find them. And they're, all, they're all praying. He's watching, listening to uh, uh, Spurgeon's father, listening to uh, his mother, uh, Spurgeon's mother, uh, teach the children about Jesus. And then he rejoices, he he relaxes, and he goes, man, I've left them in great hands. See, a mom's motherhood, uh, motherhood has generational impact. One of the greatest preachers of all time, uh, his father, we don't, no one knows him as the greatest preacher, but we do know Spurgeon as one. Why? Because of his mother. Did his father have a great impact on his life? Absolutely. Is it important? Absolutely. It is very important, but I need us to see that the job of being a mother, the gift of being a mother has generational impact. I remember my, literally, I saw my mom baptized. And it was my mom's baptism that led me to start seeking after and asking questions about Jesus. I later get converted, meet, know, love Jesus. Because what began it, 
Yes, it was through the, the, my, my parents raised me in the ways of the Lord. Yes, it was through uh, the, the, the message of the gospel hearing I heard in the church. But, it, but the, the experience of seeing my mom baptized did something to me psychologically, and God used it to transform my heart. And it, it was my mom's conversion, my mom's baptism, my mom's journey to Jesus that, that allowed me to have a, a, a journey to Jesus. It, 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 God used that. And so I want you to see this, moms. Being a mom is a, is a ministry. It will have a generational impact. A, a believing mom is the most important job, one of the most important jobs there is in our society. It is not second rate. I believe this, that the enemy seeks to have a generational impact by keeping moms from enjoying and pursuing and seeing that being a mother is a ministry. Well, we'll take them to small group. We'll send them to child care. We'll do, hopefully, you know, this, that. It is, it is the, the, the father and mother's job to raise their children up in the ways of the Lord. And, and I think many moms miss out on, on the reality and the big, the, 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 the great opportunity, the privilege to raise their children up in the ways of the Lord. I'll say this. Additionally, uh, you will have generational impact on your children, mothers. The question is, what impact will that be? What impact will that be? Do, will they see, will your children see a mom pursuing, loving, knowing Jesus? Because how we view motherhood, it matters. It matters. So that's the second thing. Motherhood first, motherhood begins with God's love for you. Then motherhood also has generational impact. Now some, now some ap- uh, application. And so I want to take us all the way to the beginning. How, uh, not how one becomes a mother, but right after that, uh, the, the giving birth part. Uh, giving birth magnifies the gospel. I need us to see this. So what was, what was once viewed as a curse, the, the, the pain of childbearing, what is, is actually, Jesus says himself, that it points to and magnifies the gospel. He says this. He says in John 16, verse 21 through 22, he says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. This is like, hey, it's labor, the water's broke, it's hurting, contractions, ouch, that's real. If you've ever been there, it's real. She's not happy sometime, and it, it's hard. But... When she delivered the baby, when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish, for the joy of a human being is born into the world. So also you having sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is this is what Jesus, I love his teaching. He's like, that thing you thought was a curse. Childbearing pain. You see as a curse. I'm gonna show you that 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 is a, it it's it magnifies. The gospel. God took what sin cursed and used it to point to his son, Jesus. I remember when, when my wife had our first child. Like when Deacon was born, he just had, he's, he's exited the womb for maybe 95 seconds. And she's like, that was awesome. And I was like, did you not see that whole thing? His, the cord was wrapped around his neck twice. They thought it was going to be emergency. Like it was, it was, I was thanking God like we're all breathing because I was going to have a heart attack. This was crazy. She's like, let's have another one. I was like, when? Not now. 
It's because it's because what happens in what's hardwired in the the, the biochemical uh, nature of, of childbearing is what Jesus is talking about here. He says there's this anguish. There's this anguish that happens through the delivery process. And so this is what, what so many women are afraid of. And so take heart. Jesus tells you that on the other side, there's this joy. Jesus talks about labor. He says she no longer remembers her anguish. Anguish for the joy of a human being is born to the world. And, and so we could, we could just stop and go, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's cool. God did absolutely super cool. You know what's even more cool? He says that whole experience we can see it in real time. You know what that points to? Me. So you, now you have some sorrow. Anyone ever been through life and had sorrow? Any of you had anxiety? Any of you been, been worried about anything? Anyone ever like had stress? Those are the same words. I'm just reusing it a different way so we, we all know that we're all guilty of it. Like we have it. it life's hard, hardship, struggle. Jesus says, right, he's, he's talking to his, to his disciples because what's going to happen is Jesus is going to be crucified and killed and they're going to be really worried that what Jesus said would not come true. Jesus is going to raise from the dead, conquering sin, Satan, and death, forgiving the sins of the world, uh, offering hope and salvation, and he's going to come in the flesh after being risen from the dead and hang out with his disciples. He's going to barbecue some fish on the, on the, uh, at the beach, use some charcoal, as we all should. It's going to, he's going to have a, it's going to have a great time. It says, in that moment, you're going to forget about all the sorrow and pain that you had because you will see me again. But additionally, not only is he talking about in terms of them physically seeing him after his crucifixion and execution and murder, but he's, he's reminding and comforting us here to this day, no matter what we're going through in this present life, there is a hope uh, uh, for, that Christ has for us uh, to come. Paul, when, when talking to the Romans, he says this in Romans 8, 18, he says, For I consider the sufferings at this present time not worth being compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. When we see Jesus again, when we see Jesus face to face, no more pain, no more suffering, no more anguish, no more, no more anxiety, whatever you're going through, you can go through a hundred years of suffering on planet earth, but when you see Jesus, you'll be like, I don't remember it. None of it. It's not worth even comparing the joy, the excitement, the privilege, the awesomeness. If you ever wonder why people have more children, it's because they forget about the pain. Some of you are like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't forget about it. And you're like, well, Jesus said it, not me. I need you to see. He's saying, he's looking at the natural world. He's looking at mother. He's looking at childbearing. He's saying, look, I need you to see that this is a shadow pointing you to, uh, to something in the future to, to encourage both men and women, to everyone who walks on the face of planet Earth, everyone who knows and loves Jesus, that the sorrow may last now, but joy will come. Joy will come. Yes, praise God. I hope you do experience great joy in this life. But what Jesus is saying, even if you don't, even if you don't, if you know, love, and trust Jesus, when you see him face to face, all the worries, all the injustice, all the sorrows, all the pain, everything you experience on this earth will not be worth comparing. That's what he's saying here. And, and, and what did he use to illustrate that? Childbearing. Motherhood. This is awesome. This is awesome. Next, what I want us to see is that not only does, uh, does giving birth magnify the gospel, but motherhood is a gift to enjoy. It's a real thing. 
some of you know this verse. Psalm uh, 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, the womb a reward. Some of you quote that verse, know that verse, believe that verse, but live as if that's not true. How, you cannot, if you don't enjoy the gift, your children, then, then your assignment, your act of repentance from here is, is seeking to cultivate that. Am I saying that every moment of motherhood is enjoyable? Absolutely not. What I'm saying, though, is that, that children are a heritage from the Lord. Generations. This is a gift from the Lord. It's, a fruit, it's the fruit of the womb, a reward. It's a reward. Remember when you were in school? You wanted a reward? And what did you get? Something, you're like, something you like. Some of you are like, man, I got kids, but I don't like them. But this, this is, hear me say this. If your teacher in school gave you a reward that you didn't like, you could just count it as like, man, she's just a bad teacher. She just doesn't understand me. God the Father, who we began with in his love for you, said, I want you to have this child. I'm going to bless you with a gift. The fruit of your womb will be a reward. It's a, it's a reward. It's a gift. It's a blessing. And so when we don't see children as a blessing or as a reward, then it's our job to not... Just say, hey, motherhood's hard. Our job is to say, all right, we, how do we cultivate repentance so that we agree with God here? How do we agree with God? And here's how. Fruit must be cultivated. Every planters in here, we're, we're becoming plant people. I think that's an age thing. You get to a point where you're like, I want to have plants. I don't know. That's where we're at now. We're, at, we're plant people. And so, uh, <laughs> plant, we're, you know, we're not very good at it because it takes work. Watering things, you know, did you know different plants take different amounts of water and sunlight? So if you put too much water on one plant, it may kill it. Not enough on the other, dead. So it's like you got to, every child, every plant takes a unique way of, of cultivating and so that it would flourish. Children are the same way. They take time. They take energy. They, one child is different than the other child. One child is more like you and you love it. And that same child, because they're like you, you hate it because, you know, you see yourself in them. The other child you don't understand because they're nothing like you and so you struggle to relate to them. That, that's reality. That's parenting. But it's cultivation. The same way you, a, a gardener would take care of his plants is the same way a, a, a parent would, would cultivate a relationship and cultivate with their children. And you may not have had great examples. Your mother or your, or your grandmother may not have been like, like, like Timothy's. But God is calling you, if you're a mother, to, to, to cultivate your children, to see them as a gift, to see them as a reward, to see them as, as fruit of your labor. I'll tell you this, the grass is never greener on the other side. It may be for a moment, but the grass is always greener where you water it. What I mean by this is you may go to the other side and find greener grass, but if you don't water it, what happens? It dies. Like, I got a new house, it has great grass, and Texas summer hits, and you're like, I don't have any grass anymore. Is it because you, the grass wasn't great? It was. So you didn't do anything. You didn't cultivate it. If you have dead grass, and you're, if, you, if, if the relationships in your life, if, if the relationship with your kids, if the relationship uh, with your husband, if the relationship with your friends, wherever there's dead grass right now, and right now I want to speak to moms and, and, their, and, and their children. If you're like, this is dead grass, water it. Water it. Spend time watering it. 
time, energy, prayer. Husbands, help your wives do this so that they can enjoy their kids. Because what is, what is fruit meant for? To enjoy it. Even lemons. Lemons are gross, right? Like, they're good for, like, lemonade. But every kid, and I've been one, and I'm still like this. If, if you have a lemon tree and it's hanging over and I'm walking down the sidewalk, what do I want to do? I want to pick the lemon from the tree. And I want to, like, I know it's going to be sour, but what I want to do, I want to taste it. And I want to hand it to someone else, taste this lemon. Fruit trees are made to pick the fruit and what? Enjoy the fruit. We do so with sour lemons, much less the children we have. They're to, you're there to enjoy. Enjoy. But you have to put in the labor and time and cultivation for, for there to be fruitfulness that's to be enjoyed. And see, you don't just enjoy it. You don't, if you just eat all the lemons, right? Stomach ache, or all the apples, or whatever peach, whatever fruit you're eating, you're into, whatever you're, you, 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 it's, what do you do when you have all of these, if you don't share the fruit, what happens? It just dies in it, and then flies come, and then your house is gross. Fruit is to not just be enjoyed with yourself, but to be shared. Uh, your, the fruitfulness of your children's mother, mothers will be a blessing to other people. That's what I need you to see. That's the generational impact. And it starts with, with mothers enjoying, cultivating, spending time, energy, watering, and cultivating their children so that they're fruitful, they're a reward, they become what God says they already are, and you get to experience them as such. Next, where a mother finds her identity matters. And this, is, this, this, is, this undergirds everything. This will, this will unlock the power for you to do the rest of motherhood. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's what we must know. Your identity is not in motherhood. Your identity is not in what you do, what you produce, your income, your degrees, your opportunities, what other people say about you, what you think about yourself, your ambitions, your desires, your hopes, your dreams. Your identity is none of those. If you believe the lie that your identity is somehow wrapped into any of those, you'll be radically, continually, often let down. That's not the life God has for you. A mother's identity matters. A mother's identity must be rooted and grounded in Christ. That's your identity. You're a Christian first, mom. If you, if you don't see yourself as a Christian first, you will then, therefore, try to find your identity as something else. Maybe you find it as a mother. Maybe you find it as a, as a wife. Maybe you find it as, as whatever work you do outside the home. What, whatever you do, your hobbies, your desires, your degrees, you'll, you will place your identity and hope in that. And see, here's the reality. A mother's identity, hear this, a mother's identity will shape the identity of their children. Some of you are products of, of, of your, your mother finding her identity in something other than Jesus, and that's what you've been discipled in you're doing. That's what you're doing. 
My mom didn't love, my mom was a Christian, but she found her identity in something else. So I'm a, a strong-willed woman. I'm going to, you know, I don't need a man. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm going to get things done. I'm going to accomplish a lot. Why? Because there's a lot of dads who are absent, out of the picture. These are real stories. This is a real reality. And so a mom was duped into believing the lie that she was not a Christian first, but she was something else first. And she worshipped that, that temple, and her kids thought, that's the temple we worship at. So you've become a mom, though a Christian, your identity is, is oftentimes in other things about what you can produce. You think that your identity is found in what you can produce, the money you can make, or something other than Jesus because you bought and ate the fruit, the poisonous fruit of the lie of the culture, just like your mother Eve. Her sin has had generational impact. Her folly, her rebellion, her disbelieving that God was a loving father who loved his children, who, who, who had only his best intentions for. Eve rebelled and said God, she forsake, she had forsaken God's love in pursuit of what? Her passion, passion for autonomy. Her passion for, for uh, things that looked good. The fruit was pleasing to the eye. Because she could. Because the culture empowered her to. And so she, forsook, she, she had forsaken her identity as a daughter of God in pursuit of other things. And we've reproduced it. And we're still. A mother's identity will be shaped by her. Or sorry, her, a mother's identity will shape the identity of her children. The good news is that Jesus steps in. Where Eve failed and where Adam failed, Jesus steps in and offers us a, a new life, a new hope, a, to, to make us what? A new creation. You're no longer the product of, of what you inherited from your mother. You're not a product of, of the idols that she worshipped. You have the freedom to worship the one true and living God and forsake all others. You have the opportunity. You have the privilege that is the call of motherhood, for a mother to find her identity not in herself, her stuff, or her production, or anything else, but to find her identity in Christ. She is a new creation. The old has passed away. The way of Eve has passed away. The way of rebellion has passed away. The way of, of, of anything other than Jesus has passed away. And Jesus has given you his life, his righteousness, his salvation, his reward. He's given you himself. And you've become new. Therefore, a mother has a new identity. And who she identifies with matters. Moms, are you Christian first? You're Christian first. If you're married, your your wife second. If you're mother, your mother third, and everything else is fourth. That's the priorities. How that works out? Use wisdom. Use community. Use God's word. But th those are those are the priorities. Your identity as a Christian, and the overflow of, of your Christianity should flow overflow into your marriage, then to your children, and then, and then into whatever else God has called you to. That's, that's what, that matters. And how you view that matters. Do you see yourself, ladies, as, as, as first an adopted daughter of God? Do you see yourself as Eve saw herself before sin? Because that's what you've been restored to. You've been restored to right relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we'll end with, we'll end with this. Motherhood is about Jesus. That sums up the whole thing. Motherhood is about Jesus. 
All of life is about Jesus. The Bible's about Jesus. That's the, if you ever wanna know how to figure out where you're at, get back to Jesus. That's where you need to be. Motherhood is not about you. It is not about what you can produce. It is not about how many children you have. It's not about, uh, it's about Jesus. It's about you loving Jesus, your children loving Jesus, and that the generations that follow loving Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's what being a father is about. That's what being a Christian is about. That's what living, that's what being a human is about. Jesus. But what motherhood does is it pushes us to depend on Jesus. Because we see our insecurities. We see our, our, our shortcomings. We see our, our flaws. We see that, that, that our expectations were unmet. We see that, no, 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 we are worshiping the same idols as our mom. We do have the same insecurities as our, as our, as our mom. Or, or, or no, in rebellion, we, we went a different way and we made our own bed another direction. We're living with the consequences of it. And, and when you find yourself in a, in a position where if you don't depend on Jesus, you don't make it. That's how he rigged the system. That's how the game is played. If you depend on anything else other than Jesus, you won't make it. You're a lot, you won't have fruitfulness. You won't have, you won't have enjoyment. You won't enjoy your kids. You won't enjoy your life. You won't enjoy what God has given you. Why? Because you will, you will have forsaken what God has, has planned and intended for you to, to, to live, for you, a way for you to live and to enjoy, and you pursued poisonous fruit instead of cultivating the fruit he has for you. Motherhood pushes us. It exposes you. It exposes you as weak. Oh, Tell that to a woman, guys, and you watch out, duck. Hey, you're weak. The Apostle Paul, the same guy who writes to Timothy, says this. He tells us that he will, he, he planted more churches than anyone in the New Testament. He was, he was, he was used mightily for God's name. He said this, I will boast. See, think about a guy, powerful, God using mightily. He says this, he says that I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. See, the world says weakness is bad. Weakness is, if you call a woman weak, then, or if you identify as being weak, this is not good. Paul says, hey, I, I not only encourage it, but I, encourage, I, I identify it in my weakness. Why? Because if you just stop there, you're like, this is weird. He says, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is Why? He's, he's been shipwrecked, he's been abandoned, he's been, he, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Why? Because Christ strengthens him. He takes a strength that he does not possess and in, in, in lives and walks in and through a power that is not from him but is from God. That in, in his weakness he says he is made strong. This is why we have so many weak, or so, so many weak women in real life It's because they don't recognize their weakness and depend on Christ's strength. What Paul does not say is that I, I boast in my weakness. He says, I boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. He doesn't say I boast in my weakness because, you know what, being weak is cool. I want to be weak because, you know, weak's the new, the new cool. He says, no, I, I need strength. I want to be strong. I want to be a strong man of God. Women, ladies in here, you should go, I want to be a strong woman. I want to be a strong mother. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ, the most powerful man who ever walked on the face of the planet Earth, the most powerful spirit that, that, that there is, can rest upon you and empower you for your life and for your ministry. That is what you need. We don't have strong women. We have weak women. Weak women ought to boast in their, their weakness in Christ so that Christ's power may rest on them and that they may change the world. I want strong women. I want to raise strong women. And my, the, the women in my life will, are strong women. It's because they, they, they draw strength from Jesus. That's, that's who empowers them. Some people I say, hey, I don't know how your wife does all these things. It's like, it's because it's not her. It's another. She has a, she's plugged into a source that's not her flesh. Husbands, cultivate that in your life. Encourage your wife. Help her see that there is a power to be had in Jesus that can empower her for her life, her ministry. Help her to enjoy what God has called her to, to, to help her be effective and fruitful in every area that God has placed her in. More fruitful than anyone. If Christ is with you and his power is made perfect in your weakness, boast all the more gladly in it. Mother, it's about Jesus. And so... Who you worship, moms matter. If you worship Jesus, you'll glorify Jesus, you'll walk like Jesus, you'll rest in Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end today by, by, by worshiping Jesus. And so I want to I encourage some moms today. Moms who feel like they've failed. Moms who feel like they're struggling. Moms who feel like they just, they just find themselves uh, just, just hard-pressed. I need you to see this, moms. God is still raising you as a child. God's a father. You're still his daughter. You're a child. I want you to re respond today by seeing not your, you as a, as a child who needs a dad, who needs a father. God is still raising you as his child. And if, if you are here today and you're not in Christ, you don't know, love, and trust Jesus, I invite you to know him. I invite you to, to, to come to him. I invite you to, 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 to change from the direction you're going following, worshiping, whoever you're worshiping, whatever you're doing, and trust Jesus. Give Jesus your sin. Give Jesus your life and become his child and let him adopt you into his family. And let him give you a new life, become a new creation, give you a new power and, and allow God to raise, continue to raise you, though you're an adult, as his child. That's the encouragement for you, ladies, for, for you men. Anyone in here who, who, who does not know the love of God I invite you to know it. I invite you to Jesus. And that's how we're going to end. We, we begin with motherhood begins with God's love for you. We're going to end it the same way. With God's love for you. That's what, that's what communion is. If motherhood starts with God's love for you, we'll remember in, that we're sustained by God's love for you by partaking in communion. We do this every week. It's an opportunity for us to remember the length that Jesus went to save you. To look at the sacrifice of Christ. To see his love displayed on a cross. Died in your place for your sins. It's an opportunity to respond, to marvel at God's love for you. And let that ultimately shape everything about you. That's how we're going to respond. But first, uh, if you're, if you're all, all the ladies, I would love you for you to stand. I'm gonna, everyone close your eyes. Ladies, stand up. I'm going to pray over you to finish. And then uh, the team will come up here and lead us through communion. And, uh, but Lord Jesus, I ask that you, you bless these, these women. 
I, I thank you for the moms in here. I thank you that um, they know you, Jesus, those who do. They love you, Jesus. And I ask for the, the, the ladies in here who, who have yet to put their faith and trust in you, I ask that they would, they, they would. If they have a mother who knows you, Jesus, I ask that they would, they would follow their mother like, like Timothy did and, and, and meet you, Jesus, know you, Jesus, be transformed by you. But, but, but these moms in here, I ask that you would bless them with your presence. I ask that you would bless them with uh, the security of knowing that you are with them. I ask that you would bless them in, in their life, in their ministry. We confess their weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on them. God, I ask that, that they would see that their, their entire lives are about you, Jesus, that they would cultivate children, they would cultivate legacies, they would cultivate everything that with their life, with their word, with, with their word, with their stuff, with their home, with, with everything they have, that it would point to you, Jesus, more than anything. Would you comfort the moms who are, who are struggling right now? Would you empower the moms who need help right now? Would you comfort those who are mourning right now because of loss, uh, uh, whether through uh, miscarriage or through, the, for, through missing a, a, a deceased loved one, a mom? Would you comfort them now? Lord, and those who, I pray for those who are, the ladies in here who want to be, become moms. They long to, but infertility has kept them. We were reminded, we are reminded that even Sarah was barren. And you caused her to bear Isaac. We've seen those in our church overcome infertility. We've seen your miraculous hand. Would you bless those moms? Would you bless those wombs? And lastly, for those babies who have just been born and those who are in the womb, we ask for your blessing and power upon those deliveries and over the lives of those mothers. We love you, Jesus, and we, we, we pray all of this, wanting to magnify you in everything we say and do. Would your gospel permeate to these women and overflow to those who they encounter? In Jesus' name.